You tell me when to start. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to introduce uh, a gentleman you've met already uh, this afternoon. Uh, Dr. Anthony introduced him uh, as uh, he prepared to introduce the choir earlier today. But we're delighted, as you may have seen, because of the combination of weather and illness. We have had some speakers who have had to cancel out of uh, the program. We are delighted, however, to be able to move this panel around. We want to say uh, thank you to Dr. Steven Zunas, who agreed to be the chair and then agreed not to be the chair, Steve. So we appreciate that. Uh, I'd like to introduce uh, Dr. Peter Gubser, uh, former chair of ANERA, uh, and uh, ask uh, Peter if he would introduce both the topic and the panel for us. Peter? Th uh, thank you very much, Jim. Um, Sadly to say, once again, we ad address the Arab-Israeli conflict, Palestinian-Israeli conflict. It's been with us all too long, and I hope before I retire a second time that it uh, gets resolved in a way that's equitable and acceptable to all parties. That being said, I'm not going to take any time. I'm going to very briefly say a word about each one of the panelists, and then I'm going to turn to the panelists. They promise to keep their uh, comments brief seven, eight minutes, if you will, uh, after which we will have questions. Uh, I have a few questions. Any questions from the audience would be welcome. Um, just very briefly, bios are in your programs, but I uh, take pleasure in mentioning His Excellency Dr. Hussein Hasuna, a longtime friend who is the ambassador of the League of Arab States to the United States. And he's been here a number of years and has been a good representative of the Arabs in this country. Uh, His Excellency Mayan Rashid uh, Adekat, Ambassador and Head of Mission of the Palestinian Liberation Organization. Um, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting him for very long, but his uh, uncle Saab Adekat is an old friend. Uh, Dr. Thomas New, uh, I've known for over 30 years. He is currently the uh, Executive Director of the American Friends of UNRWA. Um, was form formerly worked with me as our Middle East representative and here as Middle East representative in the Middle East and he soon will be going to take up a post as head of the Carter Center's operation in Palestine and Israel. And we wish him luck on that. Uh, lastly, Dr. Stephen Zunas, who had been in the chair seat, has, uh, kindly said he will take over a, a regular panelist position. Uh, is Professor of Politics and International Studies and Chair Program for Middle Eastern Studies, University of San Francisco. Great place to be. Uh, on that note, I'll, let's start with the order that I started with, uh, and we'll start with uh, Dr. Hasuna. Dr. Hasuna. Thank you very much for introducing us. And uh, I'd like, first of all, to thank uh, Dr. John Duke Anthony for organizing this conference that deals with U.S.-Arab relations. Um, we have on the agenda a lot of issues, but I guess that the Palestinian issue, the Arab-Israeli problem, is one of the most challenging ones. Uh, I was met uh, today by a friend when I arrived at the conference, and he said, well, it's a tough day to talk about the peace process in the Middle East. 
with all the difficulties which we are encountering. I told them, well, I had a very long diplomatic career. And uh, I know that in our region we have bright days, we have dark days, we have hope, we have despair. But we have to continue to work to achieve a just and lasting peace in the region with patience, with commitment and dedication. Let me just make a few remarks. The Palestinian question is key and central in U.S.-Arab relations. You might have discussed this morning other issues pertaining to Iran. There will be a panel on Iraq, there will be a panel on Syria and Lebanon, others on energy, and so on. But still, the Palestinian question is the core issue in the Middle East. It is in the hearts and minds of the people of the region, the question that has been there for so long, and the issue that if there is no just solution to this problem, the Middle East will remain a region unsettled and uh, possible uh, destabilized. And I think that this issue also affects the climate of the relations between the United States and the Arab world. It has always over the years. Whenever the United States is staying inactive, a vigorous role in, in showing progress on this issue, the climate between our relation becomes a better climate. It allows cooperation in facing other challenges in the region like the issue of nuclear proliferation, the threat of terrorism, and others. The other point I would like to make is that the problem of Palestine is not only a Palestinian issue. It is an Arab issue. It affects the national security of the Arab world. And since its inception, the Arab world has supported the cause of the Palestinians and will continue to support it until the, the just settlement and the creation of an independent Palestinian state. The Arabs have collectively taken part in a lot of fora that tried to bring about a settlement. I just right, like to recall here the Madrid Peace Conference in 1991 and then the Annapolis Conference that although they went there with a lot of skepticism, they all decided to give peace a chance and turned out at Annapolis. The third point I'd like to make is that the Arab world chose peace as a strategic option already in 1991. And in, 19, and, and in 2002, it adopted the Arab Peace Initiative as a framework for a comprehensive settlement. It is based on the principle of land for peace. It is a balanced initiative based on reciprocity, commitments on both sides, but benefits for all, end of the conflict, and ushering a new era of peace and prosperity in the region. In my view, it is as historic as 
the visit of President Sadat to, to Jerusalem in 1977. The initiative was received with worldwide recognition. Uh, in for, the former administration maybe received it in a lukewarm welcome, but President Obama, since his inauguration, has reiterated his support for the Arab Peace Initiative. As for Israel, it has at first rejected it and then has shown some interest in some of its elements, namely on the question of normalization. But this resolution, this initiative is a framework, interrelated framework, it is a package deal, and I think that if we want to implement it, we have to implement it in total and not just some elements in it without others. Total withdrawal, settlement of the Palestinian issue uh, versus total peace and normal relations with Israel. What about the present situation? The peace initiative is still on the table from the Arab, Arab side. And Arab sides are ready to make peace gestures towards Israel. They have said this openly, provided Israel freezes totally the settlements at the West Bank and also accepts negotiations. Unfortunately, the, the claim or the demand of President Obama asking Israel to stop the settlements was rejected by Israel, as you know. And here I would say that maybe Israel has lost a historical chance to achieve peace with the Palestinian and with its neighbors when it took this position of refusing to uh, freeze the settlements and, or refusing to negotiate on Jerusalem and on, on the refugee issue. We lost the momentum, but I think that we have to regain it. The Arab world strongly supports Obama's, the President Obama's efforts at trying to achieve a comprehensive peace. Uh, we believe that he, uh, maybe the Nobel Peace Prize for which we congratulate him should be an additional incentive for him to do so. He needs internal and world support, and I think that if he has some internal successes also, this might help him in his, his resolve and his commitment to achieve a just and lasting peace in the area. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ambassador Hasuna. Uh, can we now turn to Ambassador Erekat? Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. I think the Ambassador Hassouna covered some of the aspects that I wanted to cover, so for the sake of time, I'll, I'll go brief on that. Uh, the centrality of the Palestinian issue uh, in the Middle East is very obvious. And I think some, one cannot exaggerate when they say that solving the Palestinian-Israeli conflict could lead I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to fantasize and say that it will resolve the other regional conflicts, but it would probably facilitate the resolution of other regional uh, conflicts in, in the region. The Palestinian issue 
has an Arab and Islamic dimension to it. And some of the most important issues that are being discussed right now with the administration and with the Israelis, the future of Jerusalem and uh, refugees uh, do have regional Muslim dimensions that give more importance to the centrality of the Palestinian issue in the Arab-Israeli and the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. As we speak, uh, there are efforts being conducted right now on behalf of the Obama administration, which we very much appreciate. And we have signaled that in the past we have stated that we really appreciate the early engagement of this administration in the peace process. We do appreciate the genuity and the sincerity on the part of the president and his team in trying to resolve this long conflict. But when we started to ask all the parties to meet their obligations, we were accused of putting preconditions for the resumption of negotiations. When the Palestinians ask that Israel meets its obligations under phase one of the roadmap, which include, among others, this, the freeze of settlement activities, including natural growth, including in East Jerusalem, Israel and some other circles accuse the Palestinians of trying to undermine efforts to return to the negotiating table. These were not conditions on our part. These were requests for parties to meet their obligations. While the Palestinian side has met, have met most of their obligations under phase one, Israel has failed to meet one single obligation mentioned in phase one of the roadmap. So when we, when we say that, we want to create the conditions that are conducive for the success of meaningful negotiations. We don't want to go back to negotiations and talk about process. We are tired and sick about discussing process. We believe that we have reached a point where we have exhausted negotiations. There is no need to discuss Jerusalem and refugees and borders and settlements. Everybody knows what the contours of a future agreement between Israel and the Palestinians and between Israel and the Arabs are going to be. Why waste our time on discussing negotiation, negotiating these issues when we have exhausted that. It is time to sit down and to try to reach decisions and to implement agreements. So it is important to prepare the ground for a return to meaningful and useful constructive negotiations that will be based on very clear terms of reference. We cannot start negotiations without knowing on what basis these negotiations will be based. And Israel is trying, every time we try to resume the negotiation, Israel tries to change the rules of the game. And we have to make it clear from the beginning that we know what the TORs for such future negotiations. Another important issue for us is the format of the negotiations. Are we going to spend days, weeks, months, just talking about the structure of the negotiations. What committees are we going to establish? Which issue will come first? This takes a lot of time from our past experience. And unless we agree in advance about the structure and eventually the time frame of these negotiations, it will be difficult 
to guarantee that such negotiations are going to succeed. And finally, the most important issue for us is where are we heading? Is that going to lead to an end to the Israeli military occupation that started in 1967, which until today remains to be the root causes of all the problems between Palestinians and Israelis? Is Israel willing to end its occupation of Syrian and Lebanese lands and to accept the Arab hand that was extended for them to make peace, the Arab Peace Initiative, or Israel is going to try to delay the inevitable. They know, we know, that we are not going to give up our national rights and that we are going to stay there. There will be no repeat for the mass uh, departure of Palestinians that took place in 1948. We are on that land to stay. And the sooner we agree with the Israelis on a formula that will resolve this conflict, the better off they and we are. I think in the Middle East we learned one other thing. Tomorrow is not better than today, unfortunately. Everywhere in the world people look forward to tomorrow. We know from our past experiences that tomorrow is going to be more difficult than today. If we were sincere about our efforts, if the Israelis were sincere about reaching an agreement with the Palestinians in the 90s, when the atmosphere was so positive, we could have concluded a deal then. Now, if we look back 30, uh, at 1996 and we look forward to, to 2009, we know how difficult things are today in the Middle East. Israel is not more secure today than they were when they were in 1996. Israel now has multiple of threats from different parties. So what we are trying to engage in is a meaningful round of negotiations that once and for all will put an end to this conflict. And I mean an end to this conflict, an end to all historical claims. But this can only happen if the Palestinians are allowed to live in dignity and freedom. Israel is not going to get their security if the Palestinians are continuing to be humiliated, living under a military occupation which is denying them their basic human and civil rights. And until that objective is achieved, there will be no security, no stability in the Middle East. We want negotiations today more than tomorrow. But these negotiations, with all due respect and appreciation to the efforts of this administration and the international community, must be based on clear terms. There has to be a time frame, and we need to know that we are moving from point A to point B, which in our view means the end of the Israeli occupation and independence for our Palestinian people. Thank you very much. Uh, th thank you very much, Ambassador Adekat. Now let's turn to uh, Dr. Tom New. Tom? Okay. Thank you, Peter. Thank you for inviting me. I'll also be brief in order to leave a maximum amount of time for questions, which often turns out to be the most exciting part of any panel on uh, Israel and Palestine. And I want to um, pay particular deference uh, and respect to our fellow panelists whose expertise in diplomacy and political analysis uh, exceeds mine. So I'll focus mainly on a human development aspect of things, particularly relating to refugees, which is a concern of my present position with American Friends of UNRWA. 
And the reason I, the reason I focus on that, or bring it up for a focus, is that um, they're the ones who fear, rightly or not rightly, they're the ones who fear that their interests may not be fully protected. Um, and with all respect to, uh, to the PLO and to those who are representing them, uh, there's still that fear. And there's quite a few people affected by this. Uh, two and a half million refugees, Palestinian refugees outside of Palestine, uh, who most of them have, have no hope now of, of even going back for a visit. And the Gaza Strip, one and a half million people, two-thirds two of whom are refugees, who have no recent hope of even leaving the Gaza Strip, small as it is. And uh, also, um, I would say the Arabs in Israel, uh, who are alarmed when they hear talk about slicing a little bit of uh, Israel here and, uh, and moving some people there. Uh, they do not feel well represented by uh, Avigdor Lieberman, and they fear uh, that their interests may not be protected. And then there's others. Uh, I think everyone in this room has Palestinian friends and colleagues who live elsewhere. Uh, some are not refugees, and some are not suffering. Uh, but even they uh, would love uh, to be able to take their kids and grandkids to a visit to Jerusalem or Jaffa or Haifa. And that's a human right, too. Uh, so I just want to point out there's many, many different dimensions to the Palestinian issues. Um, many people whose interests want to be um, brought into the equation. It doesn't make life easier for our colleagues, uh, but uh, everyone wants to know that there will be less restriction on their travels, less restrictions on their ability to visit uh, and to see uh, their loved ones. And uh, I think that we all need to take into account the, the human aspect of things. And not to emphasize the differences so much as the fact that all human beings have much the same aspirations. And the most simple aspiration uh, is to be able to cross over a border and see your relatives. Uh, and so I, I just bring this up as a, as a perspective uh, in all of the discussions that, uh, can, that we read about. Uh, sometimes we lose that human dimension. And I just would like to underscore that for the moment. Thank you. Uh, Tom, thank you very much, and also thank you for being brief. There's more time for everybody else. Um, now we'll turn to uh, Dr. Zunas. Thank you. Uh, <clears throat> I was moved from uh, chair to speaker due to the unfortunate absence of uh, Rob Malley because I share Mr. Uh, Malley's um, primary interest uh, and focus in U.S. policy toward the conflict. Uh, unlike um, Mr. Malley, however, I am, I've never been a top negotiator in the peace process. I have uh, never uh, been an advisor to presidents. I have never been a distinguished diplomat. Instead, I'm an academic from the left coast. And as uh, many of you are familiar with my often critical analysis of U.S. Middle East policy, I'm not always diplomatic. Uh, nevertheless, I, I hope you can still learn, uh, I still hope I can contribute uh, to, to, uh, to the analysis here. I want to start off by, by mentioning that the single most troubling thing to me about Obama is that he is the first president of the United States who is younger than I am. <laughs> but by virtue of this, he is the first president who has only known Israel as an occupying power, not as the struggling young democracy under siege as it was generally uh, depicted prior to 1967. So he doesn't have that romantic and critical view of Israel so common among liberals of a, uh, American liberals of, a, of an older generation. Uh, those who, his classmates from when he was in, in college, remember that he, uh, like, like other uh, black activists of that era, 
had a broadly sympathetic, though not uncritical, view of third world national liberation struggles, including that of the Palestinians. And unlike charges about his relationship with Bill Ayers, Obama really was good friends with uh, Rashid Khalidi when they were in Chicago together. And, and you can't spend more than five minutes. You can't, you can't spend five minutes with Rashid Khalidi without uh, having it be transformative in your understanding of, of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. So in other words, Obama is the first president who gets it. He's the first president, I think, who really understands the Palestinian side of the equation. Now make no mistake, he is simultaneously strongly pro-Israel, but pro-Israel in the sense of Israeli moderates, of the Israeli peace camp, those who recognize that it is in Israel's own best interest to make the necessary compromises for peace, that the occupation is virtually the only thing standing in the way of the country's peace and security, that Israel will be far more secure uh, within, recognized, within recognized international borders to try to control an archipelago uh, 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 surrounding uh, an oppressed uh, uh, people uh, who will inevitably continue to, to react violently as long as their fundamental rights are denied. So my view is that, as with many other issues, Obama is, is first and foremost a non-ideological pragmatist. Uh, not left or right, hawk or dove, Zionist or non-Zionist, but, but a pragmatist. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that he'll do the right thing, but I think there's more reason to be optimistic about Obama uh, than, than any previous president. Now, it's still unclear exactly where he's going to go, uh, even though he's, he's been in, in office uh, for uh, uh, seven or eight months now. Uh, as, as you all have noticed, his plate's been rather full. But a number of things have given me hope. First of all, he is the first president to categorically say that um, Israeli-Palestinian peace is in the national security interest of the United States. And he has also made it clear that Israeli-Palestinian peace is not possible unless and until there is a viable Palestinian state alongside uh, uh, Israel. And, and with those putting that much on the line, I think it does indicate that he may indeed be serious about this, that this is not just, uh, just the kind of rhetoric we've been, we've been hearing for, for so many years coming out of the, uh, of the White House. And, and a, an important shift, that, and I think what makes me think this might actually be possible, is that there has been a dramatic shift in U.S. public opinion in recent years, particularly in recent months following the tragedy in Gaza, uh, earlier this year, that now a clear majority of Americans, uh, including an overwhelming majority of Democrats, the party that controls both houses of Congress and then the presidency, uh, believe that the United States should take a more even-handed approach to the peace process uh, and, and not just automatically take Israel's side on everything. And there's also been a significant shift in American Jewish opinion, particularly among younger Jews, uh, in supporting a policy that does not just pressure the Arab side to make peace, but the Israelis as well. I think there's no question that APAC now presents an increasingly, uh, APAC represents an increasingly small minority of American Jews. And so I, I think that we're seeing, uh, and I, we've seen some of this in, in, in Obama's very clear uh, statements that the uh, expansion uh, of, of settlements, uh, including so-called natural growth, is completely unacceptable, that he's really the first president since Carter that has really questioned the legality 
uh, the very legality of, of settlements. Now, now, I can put out all sorts of qualifiers that, um, uh, you know, legally speaking, Israel isn't supposed to just freeze settlements but withdraw from every single one of them because they are clearly in violation of the Fourth Geneva Convention, of a landmark uh, decision by the World Court, no less than five UN Security Council resolutions. But nevertheless, uh, he, he clearly sees that this increasing, this, this land grab, uh, it, it would, uh, if it continues, would make uh, a, a viable Palestinian state uh, in, 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 impossible. And I'm also concerned that he, he has ruled out so far uh, conditioning uh, aid uh, to Israel to uh, progress on, on the peace process. And frankly, I don't b believe that uh, uh, Israel will have the necessary incentive uh, to uh, return to the uh, bargaining table to, to, to um, make the necessary compromises unless uh, aid is, 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 uh, you know, is put on the, uh, that, that the U.S. is willing to use aid as, as a pressure, but yeah, as a form of pressure. But... Um, but, but, but even some of, the disturb, some of the more disturbing comments uh, that's come out uh, during the campaign and more recently uh, may not be as bad as they appear. I mean, a lot of us were very disappointed, for example, in his speech before APAC uh, in, in, in um, the spring of, of last year where he called for uh, an uh, 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 undivided uh, uh, Jerusalem as the, uh, uh, as the capital of, of, uh, of Israel. But as his advisors immediately pointed out afterwards, that... They, he meant undivided as in not going back to pre-67, where the city was physically divided with you know, barbed wire and sentry posts and that, that kind of thing. He didn't use the word united Jerusalem, which implies Israeli sovereignty over the whole city. And they similarly pointed out that saying it should be the uh, capital of Israel doesn't mean it can't also be the uh, uh, capital of an independent uh, Palestinian state. Remember, Obama's a lawyer, so he's, he's, uh, he thinks about how he words these things. Uh, and it was disappointing to say that we will not force Israel to uh, negotiate, but he also said we will not force Israel to not negotiate, an apparent reference to the uh, Bush administration's uh, successful effort to sabotage uh, Israeli-Syrian uh, negotiations uh, as they were proposed a, a, a couple of years ago. Uh, his appointments have been a mixed bag. I mean, certainly you have some very hardline uh, uh, hawks, uh, like uh, Joe Biden as his vice president, uh, Hillary Clinton as his secretary of, of state, uh, uh, you know, Dan Shapiro uh, at the NSC post, uh, um, Rahm Emanuel, of course, as his uh, chief of staff, uh, 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 Jeffrey Feltman uh, and, at, at, at state. But we also have, you know, people like James Jones, who's in a... In a uh, very important position, of course, as the uh, national security advisor who's taken a more balanced uh, view. And I think the, uh, the, the appointment of George Mitchell is, is significant. Uh, the, um, let's remember that the, the, the actual Mitchell report uh, back from uh, 2001 uh, had, had many positive points. It was, it was the Bush administration that basically uh, um, you know, failed to carry through on those and assisted only the Palestinian side uh, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, abide by the, by the recommendations. But I think more significantly when you look at uh, Mitchell's um, um, history is his role in Northern Ireland. If you read his book, he makes a couple of interesting points that, that I, I think may be of relevance in terms of Israel-Palestine. First of all, he, he argued that while it, was, while it was necessary to insist that groups give up violence, it was unrealistic to ask them to give up on their dreams. That is, not to insist the IRA uh, renounce the idea of a united Ireland, just that they you know, uh, should work for it uh, through nonviolent non uh, methods. Similarly, uh, while pushing for the importance of ending armed struggle, 
He didn't argue there had to be a, 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 you know, a, a disarmament or a total ceasefire uh, before, as a prerequisite for negotiations. And he also argued that uh, um, all parties must be included in the talks, even those that are labeled terrorists. And he points these out as the lessons for successful negotiations in Northern Ireland. Now, so far, the official U.S. policy hasn't caught up <laughs> with this, but uh, the, the fact that his chief uh, uh, negotiator uh, has, you know, is, has spelled out these, the, this kind of understanding and putting together what many people saw as a, a, a hopeless, long-standing uh, conflict, I think is, is some, some reason uh, um, um, for hope. The, the, there, are, there are a number of obstacles in the way, uh, unfortunately. That uh, One is that, uh, despite the uh, uh, shifting public opinion, Congress, uh, the leadership in both parties, is, in many ways is as hardline uh, as ever. You know, there have been a series of, uh, of uh, resolutions and dear colleague uh, letters that seem to be designed to s sabotage any effort by the Obama administration to take a more, more uh, uh, moderate position. And of course, uh, in, in a, a classic case of bad timing, just just as we have uh, you know, one of the, the um, uh, most um, uh, moderate uh, governments the United States has had towards this uh, uh, conflict. Uh, simultaneously in Israel, we, we see a government coming to power, which is uh, uh, perhaps the most hardline and, and intransigent. Uh, yet, I, I think there are some openings, uh, that, that there are some possibilities, and I think in the, the, uh, as we address some of the how questions and, and the question answer, I can perhaps uh, you know, elaborate on on, on ways that, that we might be able to uh, encourage some of these positive indi indications uh, and, and overcome some of the more negative uh, uh, counterindicators. <clears throat> Dr. Zunas, thank you very much. <clears throat> I've got a plethora of questions here. Uh, I'm going to um, pose a couple of them. I'll, I think I'll just go back through the panel. I pose uh, a question to each uh, member of the panel. If a, th a second person wishes to comment on the same question, please don't hesitate to get my attention, and that's fine. Uh, the first one, therefore, will be for uh, Dr. Hasuna. Uh, what, this is sort of a fundamental question about negotiations. What are the absolute minimal uh, foundations necessary for a viable peace settlement in terms of the extent of Israeli withdrawal the status of Jerusalem, and the fate of the four and a half uh, million refugees. You, you note that the question doesn't uh, uh, deal with the question of settlements. And perhaps we shouldn't have been focusing on settlements and should have been focusing on, on final borders. Uh, that's what, one thing that this uh, question suggests. Uh, Hussein. Um, I think as has been suggested by the ambassador of, of Palestine. We all know the solutions to these uh, difficult issues. Uh, they have been negotiated for years. They have been discussed uh, by the Israelis, by, by the Palestinians, by, by the Arab countries. And there were so many plans you remember the Clinton parameters, for instance, which President Clinton introduced, unfortunately, just two, two months before leaving uh, office. Uh, the Taba negotiations that took place just before the government of Israel 
saw a change from uh, labor to the Likud. Uh, we, we have the Arab Peace Initiative, we have uh, the Annapolis uh, framework, uh, we, we have the, the roadmap, we have Security Council resolutions. So there is nothing new in finding solutions to the issues. There is already a framework for all the questions you raised. Borders, there should be the borders of 1967. Israel should withdraw to the borders of 1967, maybe with minor ratification. This is clearly mentioned in Security Council Resolution 242 of 1967. The question of Jerusalem. East Jerusalem is occupied land on the Security Council Resolution. Even the United States has accepted this notion. East Jerusalem should be part of the sovereign Palestinian state, and West Jerusalem will be the capital of Israel. The country should be, the, 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 the city should be a city of peace, reunited. Some have mentioned the analogy with Rome, where you have the Italian government and you have the Vatican, and they live in one city with different sovereignties. This could be a model for a solution. The refugees. According to the Arab Peace Initiative, the refugees should have the right to choose, the right to return. But they can choose to go back to Israel. They can choose to go to the, back to the uh, independent Palestinian state. Some might decide to resettle where, where they are in, in, in the host countries. Some others might go to the diaspora. Canada has offered to take many of them. So there is a solution, and those who do not want to go back uh, can, should be compensated according to the United Nations resolution. And it should be an agreed solution according to the Arab Peace Initiative. So the notion that the Arabs want to invade Israel and, and send all the refugees back is nonsense. So I think all these issues have a solution if there is a political will uh, to reach an agreement. The, the problem is that on the part of Israel, we cannot discern a political will yet. They, they want the land and they want peace, but they can't have it both. So I think until this culture changes inside Israel, until they say, yes, we are ready to coexist, to live side by side with an independent, viable Palestinian state to end the occupation, until this happens, I don't think we can see peace around the corner. But as you said, we have now a president who is committed, who has resolve. He needs the support. And maybe over the years, things can change. And you might have a, the beginning of solution, not only in Palestine, but also with Syria and, and with Lebanon. Because there can be no peace in the Middle East unless there's a comprehensive peace involving all states in the region. Thank you. Hussein, thank you very much. Uh, now I'll uh, turn to Tom New. Uh, no, I'm sorry, to Ambassador Adekat. Uh Yesterday there was an extensive debate at the United Nations Security Council over the Goldstone Report. The Goldstone Report, for who, who didn't focus on it, was a report about the uh, Israeli-Hamas war in Gaza, who was at fault, who did what, uh, etc. 
how important do you consider that report uh, towards solving the Gaza situation? Was as Tom New um, spelled out, is horrendous. There's a real humanitarian crisis in the country. Ambassador Adekai. Thank you. I, I'd much rather have the first question than the other question. <laughs> but, uh, since you, uh, uh, let me just say that uh, Ambassador Hassouna reflected very, very accurately uh, also the Palestinian position vis-a-vis -vis all, all the issues that he talked about, Jerusalem refugees. I just have to uh, make a small remark here that the right of return of Palestinian refugees uh, also means that those who choose to return to uh, uh, pre-1948 Palestine also are entitled for compensation. Compensation does not only go to uh, those who decide to live outside of historic Palestine, and uh, compensation, uh, we, we prefer to use the word restitution rather than compensation because restitution includes compensation and includes also moral, psychological uh, damage, uh, suffering that refugees had to endure as a result of their exile. So that's, that's a very uh, complicated subject, but it is a part of our discussions with the Israelis to assure people that uh, the Palestinian leadership is not, is not going to uh, ignore uh, these facts when we are discussing the issue of refugees with the, with the Israeli side. Uh, on the issue of the Goldstone report, I think, uh, uh, you know, the Palestinian Authority from the beginning uh, supported uh, uh, the submission of, of the report. Uh, now, I don't want to get into the details, the controversial uh, details of what happened, you know, but uh, the, the PLO and the Palestinian Authority did not, did not ask to withdraw the report. One, because we are not full member of the Human Rights Council in Geneva. We cannot, uh, we cannot submit a report or a motion and we cannot withdraw it. Uh, the country uh, which submitted that was Pakistan on behalf of the Organization of the Islamic Conference. And, uh, you know, towards the, 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 the closing hours and minutes of, of the vote, some countries, uh, blocks including the European Union, China, Russia, and even some Arab countries started coming and talking to the Palestinian side. They are afraid that, uh, you know, U.S. pressure uh, could water down the resolution. Maybe it's better if we just push it, you know, a few months. And our central question was if we do postpone would we be able to put on the table again? And uh, I, I don't think the, the way the case was presented here, I know that uh, the, the, the criticism was very harsh, but uh, the, the Palestinian Authority and the PLO never intended uh, to withdraw the Goldstone report completely. And as you can see now, it is how it has been debated. Uh, it's been reintroduced in Geneva and they are expecting a vote uh, to that report. We, uh, we, we support the report because it's an independent report, and the U.S. administration should support such a report because it's, it's an independent report that looks into actions taken by two warring parties in a conflict that was disproportionate to start with, and uh, they should just let, let uh, these experts determine uh, the outcome of such an investigation. Both parties, um, uh, Israel and Hamas, were given the chance to do their own investigations. And if not, you know, they left the door open to take it to the ICC and to other uh, for forums. So uh, in principle, we support any uh, uh, effort by the United Nations. Any effort can assert the rule of international law. 
and uh, uh, international uh, legitimacy. Thank you. Thank, thank you very much. Um, let me turn now to Tom New. Uh, there's two or three questions, Tom, here about uh, sort of questioning whether or not the two-state solution is the only solution we should be looking at. Uh, this question has been around for a long time. Uh, it's certainly uh, the diplomatic focus. But should we also be thinking about other alternatives, such as a one-state solution, a combination of Israel uh, and Palestine, uh, or uh, a, you know, one state, a confederation, or perhaps even a confederation or uh, one-state solution of Palestine and Jordan? Should we be thinking in those directions, or only the two-state solution? Wow, you gave me the diplomatic question. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> Uh, I would say this is that uh, in the Middle East, I meet many people in many different um, uh, parts of the Middle East that have different different expectations. Um, but as a practical matter, uh, if you're aiming for two things at the same time, you don't get either. Uh, and so the diplomatic community should have a clear focus on one thing, and the two-state solution is grounded in UN resolutions and decades of affirmation by diplomats of, of so many countries. And so. I think it's important to keep the focus, at least for a while longer, on, on a two-state solution. However, I think people who try to put down or belittle the discussion of the, of the one-state solution ignore the fact that um, the alternative to a two-state solution, if there's not one, mustn't be dispossession, it mustn't be apartheid, it mustn't be an archipelago of Palestinian islands, if, uh, despite another strong effort, a consistent effort to bring about a two-state solution, it's not achieved, then everyone, of course, uh, has to start thinking about what would be that, that second, that, that plan. Uh, but again, I, I come back to the fact that um, diplomats and politicians need to have a clear focus, and there is a clear focus, and there is a consensus behind the two-state solution. And the most important thing is not what is the next agreement that's going to be signed. The most important thing is what is the future. Whether there's one state, two states, ten states, uh, or one great big uh, Middle East Union, the important thing is that people can travel across borders and that people can be free. And we need a Middle East that has fewer um, walls and, and perhaps fewer boundaries uh, as we go into the future. I, I hope that our, our children and grandchildren are in the Middle East where they can travel from one lovely spot to another without uh, the, the hassles uh, that we all know of, of traveling in and out of uh, the territories now. So um, I just want to see uh, a Middle East where all Palestinians can feel free uh, to travel and uh, seek uh, their own income, uh, their own way of, uh, of life uh, without the, the terrible hassles that they have now. Thank you. Tom, thank you very much. I agree. And having traveled there many times is a tremendous humanitarian problem, all those lousy borders. Um, that's a good diplomatic word. Um, next, we'll turn to Professor Zunas. Uh, how can a, the Obama administration initiate serious Israeli-Palestinian negotiations if the Israeli government refuses to budge from its positions on accepting an independent state of Palestine? And if it continues to uh, create settlements in the West Bank, including Jerusalem, and insists on preventing the entry into Gaza of elemental goods vital to the Gaza economy and people's reconstruction? Well, the United States has enormous leverage on, on Israel. And I, I've long 
argued that it's not as much a tail wagging the dog phenomenon because whenever a president has really decided to say no to the lobby and decide it's really in the national security interest of the United States to, to crack the whip, they've succeeded. You know, Eisenhower in, in 56, um, Carter in the first invasion of Lebanon in 78, um, um, Reagan in the AWAC sale in, in 81, um, you know, Bush delaying the loan guarantees until after the Israeli election uh, in, in, um, in 92. Uh, the, even the, the, the Harpy missile episode in, in the most recent in administration that, uh, and I, I think this, this will be the real test uh, that if Obama is, is really willing to, um, to put the kind of pressure which does include, um, you know, conditioning some of the uh, billions of dollars of aid and loan guarantees and, and other support to the Israeli government on its living up to its international legal responsibilities, um, stop uh, ending the practice of vetoing. <laughs> Uh, UN Security Council resolutions uh, 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 critical of Israel, and if necessary, even allowing uh, international sanctions to take place. Now, is that is that realistic? Um, I mean, I, I, as I as I implied in my opening remarks, I don't think we should be overly cynical or overly naive about um, Obama's intentions. I think we need to recognize there are powerful forces, and I would mention that APAC is but one, and not necessarily the, the most uh, powerful one that is trying to, that's placing enormous pressure on Obama to prevent him from pursuing uh, a just and, and lasting peace. One thing that was very revealing was about a year and a half ago, uh, Obama was at a fundraiser at a house in, in, in New Jersey, and someone asked him directly, if you become president, are you willing to put the necessary pressure on Israel? Uh, to to make, uh, make the, for Israel to make the necessary compromises by, by, uh, for peace, and he answered by telling a story, and the story was of A. Philip Randolph, the, the famous uh, civil rights and, and labor activist, African American leader, uh, that in 1933, soon after Franklin Roosevelt uh, was elected, went to FDR in the White House to try to convince him to. Um, uh, make it possible uh, for uh, railway workers, uh, the, the, the Pullman car uh, porters, to organize. So this, is the, this is the largest black union at the time, and, it was one of the, and this is back when trains were the main means of uh, trans uh, uh, interstate uh, uh, transportation. And uh, they really needed the right to, to organize. And so he, he made his case before um, um, uh, uh, FDR, and, 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 and uh, Roosevelt listened thoughtfully, and at the end he said, okay, you convinced me. Now make me do it. <laughs> now make me do it. And sure enough, uh, Randolph and others mobilized, and in less than a year, the National Railway Labor Relations Act was passed and signed into law. And I think it's very revealing that Obama used that story to answer that question. Uh, because as a former community organizer, he recognizes that, uh, that yes, there are very powerful interests at the top, but there are also the, the real power ultimately comes from below. And when we think of other um, uh, foreign policies of dubious moral, legal, and uh, strategic uh, merits uh, in recent decades, like Vietnam, Central America, Southern Africa, and elsewhere, it's been popular you know, political uh, you know, mobilization you know, through uh, lobbying, through electioneering, through um, uh, educational fora, through um, uh, public protest. Um, 
that, that have really shifted uh, the policy. I mean, to take an example of another um, illegal and oppressive occupation, um, you know, Indonesia's quarter century occupation of East Timor. By the calculations of realpolitik, there is no reason the U.S. should um, stop its unconditional support of uh, Suharto, who is our, a, good, a good ally of, of the United States. But human rights groups, churches, ordinary Americans, Democrats, and Republicans um, mobilized and effectively shamed the uh, Congress and the Clinton administration into shifting its policies. And, and there are simultaneous movements in Australia, Britain, uh, Canada, uh, which you know, forced Indonesia to, to um, um, uh, end its occupation and allow the, the East Timorese their, 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 their freedom. So I believe that really it, uh, the how question of, of, what, uh, of, 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 of what can make it, how can we make um, the, the United States live up to its um, responsibilities as the principal mediator of, 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 this, of this conflict, as the principal uh, uh, financial and, and diplomatic and military uh, supporter of the, of the, of the occupier, is, is for American civil society, uh, along with uh, uh, enlightened sectors of, of, uh, in Israel and Palestine elsewhere, uh, to, to, to mobilize and, 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 and enforce this, 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 kind, this kind of change. Because again, he, uh, I think Obama was being, being quite, quite clear in that meeting in New Jersey. Make me do it. Um, Professor Zunis, I, no, that's a great story. I, no, I'll remember it, I'll tell it, but actually that means that we should do it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, we haven't discussed on this particular panel anything about Hamas. As uh, we all know, Hamas con uh, controls one way or the other uh, Gaza and has this uh, not insignificant presence in West Bank. Um, how should, and my question really goes to anybody who wishes to address it. Uh, on the panel. Uh, I, I, should we try to engage uh, Hamas? Should we not try to engage Hamas? Should we try to get Hamas and Fatah to get together? Or is that uh, not the type of solution we should be looking at? Uh, what should we do? Now, they're a player. Um, what should we do? Um. <laughs> okay. Who, who, anybody who'd like to ask? Ambassador um, okay, Adekat? Yes, of course. Uh, I think we are already, uh, as uh, a Palestinian Authority and PLO, engaging Hamas right now. Uh, there is a table that, uh, there is a paper that was submitted by Egypt to both sides, uh, received an approval from Fatah uh, two days ago. And there is already a delegation representing Fatah and, and the Palestinian Authority in, uh, in Cairo waiting uh, for uh, Hamas's response to the Egyptian paper, which is actually uh, an accumulation of uh, very persistent, sincere efforts on the part of Egypt to bring uh, together the two sides. And uh, uh, I, think, I think it does provide the foundation for uh, an end to this internal uh, divisions between the two sides. Uh, we, uh, as Palestinians, I don't think we have been hurt as much as of, uh, the, you know, as a result of, of this division that has been taking place uh, for the last three years. I think we paid a very high price, not in terms of the physical uh, divisions in our country, but also uh, in, in our image and our reputation internationally. Uh, I think it is uh, 
very, very uh, important for us to try to uh, reach an end to, uh, to this internal division. Hamas uh, is, is, is a power to reckon with. They are, they are part of the Palestinian society. They have supporters, uh, maybe more in Gaza than in the West Bank, but they are uh, a pragmatic uh, you know, political uh, group. And uh, uh, I think, I think uh, if we can manage to reach this common ground with them, uh, I, believe, I believe that we can uh, focus together on uh, uh, building Gaza first, because Gaza needs to be rebuilt. Funds have been uh, set aside uh, since uh, December of last year that we haven't managed to get into Gaza. Uh, people in Gaza are suffering as a result of the continued Israeli siege of, of the Strip and as a result of not being able to rebuild what was destroyed in the war of uh, last December. So there is a lot for both sides to benefit. The Palestinian people will benefit from such a reconciliation. And uh, uh, once again, we are grateful for Egypt and for their efforts to, uh, to try to see a conclusion to this sad chapter of, of Palestinian uh, history. Thank you. Um, uh, Dr. H Dr. Hassan would like to have a last word, and this will be the last word. Then we'll turn the panel over to the, the back to John Duke Anthony. Well, I, I just want to uh, to add to, to what the ambassador of Palestine has said. Uh, first of all, the Arab world believes in the unity of the people of Palestine. We do not believe in the division that has emerged. We also believe in the unity of the territory of Palestine. We do not believe in the division of the West Bank and Gaza. We believe that an independent, viable Palestinian state should be created on all Palestinian-occupied territory. Uh, we believe that if Hamas has a different approach and does not believe at this point in time that negotiations under the present circumstances will lead to the achievement of the end of occupation of the Palestinian state. Let the Palestinian Authority negotiate. Let the Palestinian Authority achieve an honorable solution to the Palestinian problem, restore the rights of the Palestinians, and Hamas, we think, will follow. And any solution will be put to a referendum among all Palestinians. And I believe then Hamad will accept the solution if it is based on uh, restoring the rights of the Palestinian and creating a Palestinian state. I also believe that it is a shame that after the Gaza war, there was an international conference in Egypt in Sharm el-Sheikh attended by the whole world, including the United States, that it took decisions calling on Israel to allow reconstruction of Gaza to allow the necessary humanitarian assistance to Gaza, the rebuilding of Gaza, and up to now, nothing has been done. So I do hope that if there is the signing of this agreement next Tuesday in, in Egypt, reconciliation between Fatah and Hamas will allow the Palestinians again to work together and that eventually the uh, siege of Hamas will be lifted, and the people of Hamas who are pay paying a heavy price can uh, again uh, 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 see hope and uh, prosperity in their occupied land. Thank you.
Dr. Asuna, thank you very much. Uh, please join me in thanking the panel, and we'll turn it over to the next group. John, thank you. Our next panel is on Iraq. The ambassador of Iraq, please come forward. Dr. Davis. I expect you to introduce. You can see things which we cannot.